This afternoon we'll be introducing the practice of compassion. I think we've mentioned already that metta or loving kindness is one of what we call the four Brahma-viharas. And this is a, a Pali term that gets translated usually as divine abidings or home of the gods or Sharon Salzberg likes to call it the best home. It's kind of a, a place of um, beautiful emotions, these, these uh, qualities of heart and mind that are, that are truly uplifting, that are truly elevated. And so we have metta or kindness as our foundation practice because it so easily can move to any of the other three. It really has all of them somewhat combined within it. And so as a foundation practice, we're already probably a little practicing compassion. And maybe you felt that as you've been with your friend today and you've had a sense of the difficulties in their life, that compassion actually was the natural response. So metta or kindness, when it is in touch with suffering, naturally turns to compassion. When metta, kindness... Uh, is in contact with joy, with, with good fortune. It naturally has mudita, or, or is sympathetic joy. And there always has to be this foundation of equanimity that keeps everything balanced, that keeps us actually grounded in the experience, in the practice itself. And there's a beautiful progression. Just as there's a progression that we're going through with the different categories of beings, in the same way this progression through the Brahma-viharas has a wonderful unfolding. So the metta, this just sort of simple act of kindness or wish of kindness, is something that we all know. We all can uh, have, have experienced for ourselves and hopefully have some sense of. Again, not this elevated, blissful, unconditional love, but just basic human kindness. Compassion is uh, a response to suffering. It said that the proximate cause for compassion is suffering. So it's, it's it's a response of the heart. It's often translated or called the quivering of the heart, the trembling of the heart in response to suffering. But it has more of a weightiness to it than the metta. The metta can be, as we've said, a happiness practice, quite joyful actually. But there is this reality of suffering, of dukkha. First noble truth, there is suffering. Three characteristics, the characteristic of reality, of being dukkha or unsatisfactoriness or unreliability. So there are many times in our own experience, in the lives of others, where we have this contact with suffering. And the more sensitive we are, the more we'll feel that. And so to be able to have this true a response of compassion. It's, it's just a wonderful way to hold the suffering, the suffering that's there in our own lives and the lives of others out in the world, all the different ways there's suffering in the world through cruelty and injustice and prejudice and disasters, old age sickness and death. This is just a, a fact of life. If you have an, a, mind, a mind and a body, it will be impacted by the world and often in a painful way, so they're suffering. Compassion is the quality of mind and heart that meets that suffering and says, I can bear this. I can be in this with you. I think I said already the literal translation of compassion is to feel with. And so compassion 
is with ourselves or someone else in the suffering. It meets and is willing to be open, to stay open to that difficult experience, whatever it is, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, internal, external. But it's important to remember that compassion itself is not a suffering state. The, the, the blending of the other Brahma-viharas, that as they are there in metta, they're there a little in compassion too. In the compassion, there's kindness and there's equanimity. You could say joy, I wouldn't quite go that far because compassion has a seriousness to it. It's, it's turning to the suffering, but it doesn't get weighed down. And this is the difference between compassion and pity. Caring when it's held with fear and it meets suffering, if it's held with fear, it turns to pity. When the caring is held with love and meets the suffering, it turns to compassion. Pity is the near enemy. As Shada said, all of the Brahma-viharas have near and far enemies. The near enemy of compassion is pity. It's kind of like compassion, but with pity, there's a sense of, oh, poor you, or even, oh, poor me. But there's some separation in that. There's kind of a wishing it wasn't so. Um, Well, that's not quite true, because compassion can truly wish that the conditions weren't so, but it doesn't resist the conditions, whatever they are. It's willing to be with the conditions. It starts with that foundation of equanimity that says, this is how it is. There is this suffering, and I can be with this in this moment. You know, and again, with it's a practice, so we can go in and out of true compassion. We'll feel overwhelmed at times, but then we're willing to come back into contact with the suffering and be with it. We don't push it away and we don't separate and sort of say, oh, poor you, let me help you, you know, because I'm, thank goodness, that's not me. I'm not suffering in that same way, so I can help you. Compassion really feels with. So it's challenging to actually have that sense of tenderness and openness. Compassion does want to relieve suffering but it doesn't come from a place of aversion to the suffering. And that's the big difference. Um, And as we do this practice, or perhaps you've already had the experience, just as we've talked about these subtle or perhaps not so subtle movements of mind in and out of the metta, metta with attachment or metta with worry or metta with conditions, it's the same with compassion. We might start from a place of balance, and it's so easy to move into wanting to fix how many times have you gone to a friend, someone you know who you're close to, an intimate person perhaps, and shared with them something that's difficult, and this person moves straight into, well, this is what you should do to solve this problem. Um, and you don't feel heard. You don't feel that they're really with you in the suffering. So the compassion is just willing to be there. It doesn't need to fix as much as the, the, the expression of compassion is to ameliorate suffering, is to lessen suffering, but it doesn't do it from a place of aversion or fixing. And the beautiful expression of compassion is Kuan Yin. Guan Yin, the goddess of compassion, and we have a beautiful uh, statue of her at the back of the hall there in the center. If you're in the Metta building, 
we have just recently uh, received the blessing of a life-size, bigger-than-life-size statue. If you haven't walked into the lower floor of Meta, I encourage you, you can just do a stroll by and see she's gorgeous and she's six foot tall and she looks like that. And this Kuan Yin is in what's called the posture of royal ease. She's got this very um, relaxed, open posture. But it's said that this posture is ready to move. You know, she's not closed eyes, you know, like the Buddha often is, somewhat inward. She's in this posture of openness and readiness to meet whatever it is, so ready to respond to the suffering in the world. It's said that Kuan Yin hears the the cries, the 10,000 cries of joy and the 10,000 cries of sorrow. And though her heart is open, her, she remains uh, steady in that. So the equanimity is there. So this is the beautiful archetype of compassion, that there's this openness to feeling and really feeling the suffering, but there's this balance there. As I said, you'll feel as we do this practice, you might move, you know, the suffer- your compassion, compassion, fix. You know, and you can just look at what, what is going on there. And usually it's, we can't bear it anymore. And it's not even so much if we're doing it for someone else, the other person suffering, we can't bear it in here. Even if it's that we can't bear that they are suffering, there's some intolerance there in, in the, the wanting to fix. And so this is a practice because we're not out there healing the world or caring for a a neighbor or a sick friend. We're just here in our own experience. We can really play with that and always invite the coming back to this steadiness that just says, I'm here with you in this. I'm here with you in this. I'm I'm willing to open to this. And like anything um, that, 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 that involves this intensity of emotion, we might get overwhelmed. And that's where we use our wisdom, our discretion, our intuition to know when it's, we should actually back off a little, that we can't maintain that kind of steadiness. And so we go back to where it's easier. Again, always give yourself permission. This is a practice and a training. And we only train well when we're a little bit on the edge, not when we're completely over the edge. So it's finding that willingness to be there, but not so that we're really overwhelmed. And there is so much suffering in the world and in any one life. Any one person here has known suffering themselves and the people they love, the death of a a pet, whatever it might be. You know, if you're really into the environment, just feeling the suffering in the planet that's happening with climate change, you know. There's no shortage of opportunities to practice this. So it can be easily, easy to get overwhelmed. You just have to read a newspaper, listen to the news to get all of this input about all of the problems in the world. So we have to find the right balance for us. We have to know when it's too much and we need to actually step back a little, replenish, re- recalibrate, rebalance so that we have the resources to actually meet the suffering. The backing away is not giving up. It's not failure. It's actually really wise uh, balancing, really wise connecting. So with the compassion practice, um, it's a little bit different from the metta in that we usually just have one phrase. 
And the phrase is just very simply, may you be free of suffering. That's the classical translation of the traditional phrase. So invite you to use that if it works. For many people, though, it's too kind of categorical because as I've just said, there's a lot of suffering in the world. And to say, may you or may I be free from suffering, it's like, when? <laughs> you know? It's, you know, we all have our challenges in life, greater and lesser extent. So we can modulate that phrase a little. Sometimes when I do it, and I'm thinking of a particular person, I, just, I might say, may you be free of this suffering. And I think of a particular aspect of someone's life that's difficult, whether it's their health or their relationships or their job. Just simply, may you be free of this suffering. But even softer variations can also work. You know, may you hold your suffering with compassion. And when I say suffering, you can use sorrow or pain or difficulty. We can, again, use different words. May your suffering or your pain be eased. Or I'm with you in this suffering. I care about your suffering. May you find peace and ease around this suffering. May you hold your suffering with compassion. May you be healed. So there's sort of lots of variations. And even though, as I said, the traditional practice is just the one because it's very clear and it's about suffering, um, you can pick one or two or three of those that kind of speak to that or just one, you know, I care about your suffering. May your heart open to this difficulty with compassion. Some, Some variation of that. May you find peace and ease around this difficulty or with this difficulty. And then we change the order a little of the who, who we send uh, the compassion to. Each of the, each of the categories, it's a slightly different order. And for the compassion practice, we actually choose someone we know who's suffering. So it could be any of the previous categories. It could be ourselves, though we'll do that also. But traditionally, you choose someone you know who you know is struggling a little. Again, the caveat is, or the recommendation is, not the person who's really struggling. Because, you know, we probably all know someone who's in that category, and it can be really hard. Again, this is a training or a practice. You don't want to go to where it's most difficult. It doesn't take much suffering to bring up the feeling of compassion. If you've ever had a splinter or a paper cut, you know, that's suffering. It doesn't take very much. So... Again, we always put out that as an instruction, and I know many of you will go, but no, I have to go to so-and-so. So again, it, it's your choice, but just to recognize it's okay, it's actually helpful or even skillful to just choose, choose someone who's struggling a little or struggling just in one area of their life. Perhaps a lot of their life is going really well, but you know there's this one area that's not so easy. And again, the training is to recognize all the areas that are going well, but choosing to just focus on this and, 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 and um, training with the heart and mind to stay present for that difficulty. So it's always a balancing. We always um, trust, trust the intuition, trust the unfolding of the practice. And as I said, we'll start with the, the, difficult, the, the suffering person, and then we go through the traditional categories of self, benefactor, friend. Because there's a, you know, traditionally you'd go through neutral person, difficult, all beings. 
I'll just abbreviate that perhaps and I'll see what we do, but that's the traditional way to do it. So, the far enemy, of course, is, is cruelty, is actually is, is causing suffering. Um, and that's there in all of us as well. But I think most of the time what we struggle with is uh, the near enemy of pity. Actually, the near enemy can also include grief, where we just fall into the suffering and we're really lost in the sadness. Um, that's not compassion. Grief has, is, a, is a natural part of a natural process around loss, but we're not talking about grieving here. We're really talking about meeting this with an open heart. So this is a quality of compassion. So let's begin the formal practice. And again, the instruction is to sit comfortably if you need to adjust your posture. And also be willing to move throughout the period. Again, this can bring up a lot for you, if it's something that's really close to the surface, trust yourself. Find a way to be, to come back to some sense of balance or ease in this. And beginning as we do with just settling into yourself, so there is this sense of the body and mind, receptive, open, perhaps the loving presence, if that has, has been something that you've had access to, So we use our awareness of the body, relaxing and softening the body, awareness of the breath, connecting to the breath, to just find this balance here and now. Perhaps even thinking about doing compassion, there's been some contraction, perhaps even some fear about opening to that. So just be tender about that. Again, the hand on the heart, holding yourself, whatever works, to just have that sense of here, now, okay. You know, willing to feel whatever happens, whatever comes up. So breathing in a gentle and natural way, letting the breath kind of open the body, any places that are contracted or tight, resisting, Let the breath move in and out of those areas. Perhaps a deeper breath, if that enables you to bring that relaxation in. So we start from this place of centeredness. One of the great trainings of this practice is getting familiar with this place of connection, of centeredness, that you know how to find that for yourself. It's a place of self-soothing knowing how to reorient and come back to presence. It doesn't have to mean things are perfect, that everything gets pushed away, but through contact with breath and body, this intimacy with breath and body, we have some basic trust that we can be with experience. So we start from that place. And then we bring to mind the person that we've chosen, as I was talking, perhaps you thought of someone who's in some kind of difficulty at the moment. Could be physical difficulty or challenge, illness, injury, just the general movement of the body as it ages and limitations, some kind of constriction in the body. 
some loss of their ability to do what they used to do, the physical senses, the body not being as reliable as it used to be, whatever it might be, or some emotional challenge in their own heart or in their relationships or their work or family. And as you think of this person, just really feel into them. It's very easy, again, to get caught in the story of of what's wrong. And especially, as I said, the story of how you might help or might fix or might uh, assist them. This is not the place for that. It really is a place just for feeling into how it is for them in that difficulty and how that resonates in you. And out of that resonance, out of that feeling with, offering a phrase or two of compassion, may this suffering and difficulty be eased, or I care about this challenge that you're facing. May you find ease and well-being in this difficulty. May you come to accept more acceptance of your pain and sorrow. May your pain and sorrow be eased. Some variation, some one or two or three phrases, just recognizing the difficulty, the sorrow, the loss, the grief, and meeting it with gentleness, with kindness, with openness. I care about your pain and sorrow, or I'm with you in this pain and suffering, in this loss. May you find peace and healing. Using the breath to modulate the phrases, you don't have to say them so quickly that they tumble out. On the in-breath, really taking in this person's experience. And on the out-breath, wishing well, wishing compassion, wishing ease. Saying their name, if that helps. Visual image of their their situation. And staying present for what the feeling is, the responses in your heart. Notice all the different flavors that will come. Compassion is not just one experience. It has all these nuances of caring. And if you find you pull back a little, that's okay. Trust that. Take a moment or two to connect back with the breath and the body. See if you can come back to connecting with this person. But perhaps it means you need to choose someone a little easier and see what's right for you. And then also notice the moving forward, that energy. You can feel the energy rise up that wants to take the suffering away out of not being willing to face it, to feel it, for them or for you to fix it in some way. And again, just using the breath, using a sense of loving presence to come back 
and see if you can just open to this is how it is right now for this person, as much as you would wish it were otherwise. There is this pain, this sorrow, this illness, this difficulty. I care about your pain and sorrow. May your suffering be eased. May your heart open to this difficulty with compassion.
And now you can choose whether you want to stay with the person you've been sending compassion to. Or you could choose one of the people you've already been working with, with the metta. You could send compassion to yourself, to your benefactor or your friend. And again, in doing this, we recognize that there may be much in their life that's beautiful, that's going well, but a particular area or challenge that they have. So the compassion just meets that. So compassion for yourself, or your benefactor, or your friend. Just another way to express the caring, another way to show up for them, that this too you're willing to be with, to open to. Again, just seeing what's right for you, just choosing one of these people to spend the next few minutes with.
And for the last few minutes of the meditation, can perhaps open to compassion for all beings. Again, if it feels right, you can stay with your practice as you've been doing it, if you wish. But just to open to that possibility or that wish of compassion for all beings. And we usually then just use that simple phrase, may all beings be free from suffering. Sometimes I like to say, may all beings everywhere, or may all beings in all directions be free from suffering. And it might seem overwhelming or even impossible that that be so, given the extent of suffering in the world. But it can still be our pure-hearted wish. We care about the suffering in the world. We care about the suffering in humans and non-humans, in animals. And so we wish for the ending of suffering, for the freedom from suffering. So again, if it feels right, just expanding and opening, seeing if the heart can stay steady as you wish. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings everywhere in all directions be free from suffering. Beings human and non-human, near and far away, may all beings everywhere be free from suffering.
So as we add these other practices, it's really up to you how you integrate them into the foundation of the metta practice. If this touched you in some way and you feel it's healing or helpful to focus more on the compassion, you can do as much as feels right. You know, perhaps do some walking meditation with compassion, take other sitting periods and do the compassion practice instead of the metta practice. Really very open how you use it. For some people, this is the practice that they feel they need to be doing. You know, it's been for them great to kind of introduce or, or start with the metta, but they get to compassion. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I've been feeling. It wasn't really metta, it was compassion. And so this practice meets that. For some of us, the metta stays as the foundation practice, but as we touch difficulty, which we will do for ourselves or in the others that we're wishing well, we notice that what we're focusing on or what we're connecting with is the difficulty And the feeling is that of compassion. So you can actually continue the metaphrases even though the feeling is compassion. But sometimes it just doesn't seem right to be talking about happiness or, you know, kind of uplift when you're really touching difficulty. So you can just shift very easily into the compassion. So it can weave in and out in that way, just in response to a particular experience. And the other thing is not to measure suffering, especially as you're doing it for yourself. If you do some compassion for yourself, you're like, oh, that's, you know, I shouldn't even worry about that or don't even, you know, bring that up because so-and-so is really struggling. Suffering is suffering. You know, as I said, a paper cut is suffering. Um, To just be with suffering as it is uh, and really trust that or open to that, that's part of our training. So it it really is a very intuitive practice and a practice we can learn a huge amount from in opening to it. Uh, Anushka shared that beautiful story of the man who was held up um, by this young kid and after giving him his wallet said, here, take my coat too. That's compassion where you feel into the struggles of someone else not trying to fix them or out of aversion put it, push it away, but just this, it's a spontaneous movement of the heart. And then we see what happens next. The heart sometimes really can be in that openness with that difficulty or suffering, and sometimes it just closes down, and that's okay too. Again, we just have to be right where we are with that but with this inclination or intention, just like the metta, can we come back to a sense of connection, of openness to this? And so we move in and out of that field of compassion. So I know some of you have interviews now, may wish to leave, um, but if you want, I'll stay, and if there's any questions about this practice particularly, we can take a few moments for that. So if you wish to leave, you have an interview, or you just wish to leave, please do so. 